Presentation Skills for Design Students, Episode 22. Hello and welcome to Presentation Skills for Design Students, the podcast dedicated to helping design students everywhere become confident, creative communicators. My name's Christina Cantor and I'm here to help you speak with confidence, create compelling presentations and communicate your ideas like a kung fu fighter. So get ready to take your next presentation to a whole new level. Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in today. I hope you are having an absolutely brilliant week. You know, I'm just amazed at the variety of topics I get to talk about here on the podcast and the more people I meet, the more ideas I get and I just love being able to share it all with you right here. Now this episode is all about how to be aware of what your body language is saying about you. I had the pleasure of speaking with non-verbal communication expert Blake Eastman. Now what he has to share is absolutely fascinating so make sure you stay tuned for that. But firstly I just want to say a massive thank you to all the people who have left iTunes reviews and I'm just going to share a couple of those really quickly with you right now. Five Cat Studio gave five stars, says clear, concise and inspiring, a podcast that every architecture student should be downloading. Add it to your playlist now. Thank you so much, Five Cat Studio. Sean Ayala says, love the challenge given. I assume that's the challenge of the week. Being in the marketing and advertising industry, there are practical golden nuggets here that will help when I present. Thank you. Looking forward to more episodes. Thank you, Sean. Of course, if you want to leave an iTunes rating and review, I would love that very much. You just have to head over to designjawspeak.com slash iTunes and follow the links there. Now, I do have a story from Studio to share with you this week, and it's from my friend Andrew Lovick, who I will actually be welcoming on the show as a guest in the very near future. Take it away, Andrew. So one thing that uh, everyone always kind of asks me is, like, how are you so comfortable when uh, talking to people in public, or how are, you, how are you so able to get up in front of a large crowd and give a speech? And, you know, I always revert back to the kind of confidence. And for me, confidence is key. There's a movie, it's not very well known, it's called The Goods, and Jeremy Piven, who's well known for Entourage, is a main character and he's a car salesman. And what he does is he comes out to introduce himself to the, to the, to the car sales crew, and he, he gives a really short speech. But basically what he comes out and says is, I'm a rock star. That's it. The end. And so confident in himself. And I felt like, you know what? Anytime I'm going to do any type of conversation or public speaking, I'm going to have that attitude. I'm a rock star. I'm awesome. They want to listen to me, no matter what type of event it is. And it, it definitely reframed and shaped my vision as to how things are. So instead of being scared or which, of course, I get scared. Everyone gets scared. But before a big uh, speaking event or before uh, I talk to an individual, I have that attitude in, in, my, in my head. I'm a rock star. I'm awesome. I'm doing this. And it really translates. If you believe it, if you think it, you'll do it. You know, that's one of my favorite confidence-boosting tips. Just tell yourself, I am a rock star. <laughs> I totally love that advice. Thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing that with us. 
Okay, now moving on to meeting this week's special guest. Blake Eastman is the founder of the Nonverbal Group, which is a company dedicated to researching and educating people all about nonverbal communication. He is obsessed with understanding human behavior and has developed a deep level understanding of how our body language affects how others perceive us. This is understandable considering he's spent countless hours doing research through real life observations, examining video footage and conducting interviews. Plus, he also learned a lot about body language during his years as a professional poker player. Now that's impressive. Now, what I really like about Blake is that he gives lots of real-world examples and easy-to-implement tips and tricks that you can apply to almost any social situation. So, really listening carefully, he shares a lot of his secrets. So, I would suggest making a quick note of just one or two things that you can implement this week, either during your daily conversations or for your next presentation. So, without further ado, get ready to be blown away by the nonverbal master. Mr. Blake Eastman. My name is Blake Eastman and I basically started a company in 2009 called The Nonverbal Group and we're just obsessed with making people more effective throughout a broad spectrum of interactions, everywhere from presentations to, you know, meetings to dating to whatever. And we're all about making people more effective and essentially the number one way we do that is through video recording. So our office is outfitted with a, a ton of cameras that we can basically record everything that people do. So for example, if you're about to walk in front of a group of people and give a presentation, there's certain behavioral indications or certain things that are, as soon as you walk up there, you're demonstrating, you're communicating that maybe you're not that assertive or you don't know what you're doing or you know, you're not sure of your product or you're not sure of your design or your idea. And we kind of like use video to highlight that. That must be really confronting for people. Yeah. Video is the, <laughs> video's the most confronting medium Yeah, because it's actually what you look like. So like when you see – and I've seen it myself. I've, you know, seen my own and I'm like, ugh, don't really like that. I know a lot of people are – it's very kind of confronting even just listening to their own voices, let alone – watching themselves on video. I find it very hard to deal with watching myself on video. Yeah. I think, am I that much of a dork in real life? <laughs> Apparently I am. <laughs> people need to understand that what you may not like about yourself may be something that other people do like or other people don't even notice. So sometimes if you, if you approach a situation like I hate my voice, then you limit the amount of time you speak, you limit the, you know, the power of your voice, and that's what makes you less effective, not the fact that your voice sounds weird or different. So we call it filters. Like a lot of people have filters for communication. So there's certain things that go through. So they're about to give a presentation and they're so concerned with nailing their presentation that they forget to be natural and comfortable. And it's that anxiety that produces behaviors that make them less effective at what they do. So it's really it's really about making sure you're fully comfortable in that space in order to be the most effective, especially when you're dealing with design. The most important thing is to really be confident, right? So it's like, and you could fake it to an extent, right? You can reduce things and you can say that maybe player, people fidget, right? So I can tell you, I can show you on a video camera that you're fidgeting throughout a presentation. But then again, one of the easiest ways to get rid of the fidgeting is to make them more comfortable. And like, that's kind of the trick is like, you know, practicing being comfortable. And most people don't do that. Most people like when they pitch, they don't do anything. They just go and pitch instead of like, they'll practice it in front of people on their team. That's not really practice. Like the whole point is to really, you know, when you're out there, 
it's practiced as much as humanly possible and, and, and really feel like you know the material and you know the stuff. And, and also another thing I always recommend is before delivering a pitch or before delivering a presentation, sometimes you have to like wait. So you'll like be in a waiting room and you'll wait there for like 45 minutes or you'll, you'll be walking on the way to the pitch. Instead of have a conversation. So pick up the phone, talk to somebody because you want to be constantly flowing. And then when you walk into that meeting, there's still flow. Sometimes people just sit there and go, ah, oh, I didn't really prepare that much. I don't really like this concept. Blah, blah. And all those negative thoughts create negative behaviors, which then lead to not the best presentation. Yeah. Like when you're alone with your own thoughts, that yeah. can probably be the most distract- it, the destructive thing. It really thing. can. And, for, and I've seen it. And for clients, like a lot of it, like design elements are one thing, like of course. But you have to, you have to make – you have to come from the perspective that everybody's a pretty good designer or everybody's pretty good at delivering this product. But the whole important thing is to leave your client with this notion of I feel – I feel safe in their hands, right? So I feel that no matter what happens, this person's going to get the job done. And I've seen people that are, you know, very talented, but you don't feel that. You don't feel that they're going to deliver. And a lot of that comes from, you know, being assertive and, and having the ability to demonstrate that in front of a group of people. And if you don't, it's like the people, they don't know what's wrong. They kind of look at the person and they're like, something's up. And they can't pinpoint it, right? They don't know what it is. They don't know exactly why they feel this way, but they just don't trust you. And that's that's a dangerous element, and you know they just write you off as oh oh I don't know what it is, and also you know what's so cool is really it, the art of this is being able when you're pitching, especially when you're pitching, is to basically make sure that your message is delivered to every single person. Because what sometimes happens is you know three people love you, and one person's unsure. You should be paying attention to that one person that's unsure, and not three people that love you. Because when they go back and they have this little discussion. It's like, oh, I love them. I love them. I love them. I don't know. I found that he a little bit like I, I thought this was area. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're kind of right. And it comes contagious within the group. So being really aware, like the highest form of pitching is being 100% aware of the people. So, so going back to that uh, idea of people don't really like you or they, don't, they just don't quite get you and they don't know why, what, they don't know why they're feeling unsure. How big a role does your body language play in that situation? It, it's huge. Like the model we follow is behavior context why. So people observe a behavior within a given context and if they don't have the why, they come up with their own reason why. So for example, let's say that morning you had just spilled a coffee on your you're wearing a blazer and a, a beautiful white blazer I'm sorry a beautiful blue blazer and a white shirt get coffee all over the white shirt so you don't want to show this so what you do is you kind of take your arm and you hold the blazer in a certain way so it covers the stain right so that in, in immediate context that produces a behavior that's kind of weird now they don't know why so they don't know that you have a stain all they know is that you're just holding your jacket in this weird way and, and they make their own reason all what, what was that weird thing? Like maybe they were just nervous, maybe they were insecure, maybe blah, 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 blah. And the trick is to give the people the why. So if that were to happen, you'd be like, I'm so sorry, guys. I just I just stained myself. I'm just going to do it. Because those kind of things prevent you from being, you know, more effective. And it, it could be everything from slight hesitations, from looking down, from, you know, there's no flow to the way you're speaking, to the way you answer questions, to how you greet people. I mean, there's so many different things that can essentially go wrong. And the way to really yeah, prevent this is to be fully comfortable. And that's the thing that most people don't have. They don't have that full comfort in front of a group of people. And as a designer, that's something that you need to work. Like that needs that can make that can make a completely 
complete difference in the amount of money that you make and the amount of clients that you have and everything is that social aspect of it right and it's something that you don't train you know spend all the time with color theory and all the time in photoshop and all the tools and stuff but you don't really think to train the social element which is at the end of the day is the element that's going to get that's where you're going to get paid that's how you're going to get paid and it's also you know all those little skills that will allow you to raise your salary and allow you to you know effectively communicate that you have value in an organization and you're not just some Oh, I'll do anything, I'll do yeah. anything, you know. So what's the number one, one major thing that would be simple to change for people in terms of what they're doing with their body language? What's what's a simple thing that they can change that's going to have a big impact? I think the biggest thing is really point A to point B movements. So What does that mean? So I'll explain. So basically, when confidence looks, if you if you were to view confidence in terms of behavior, it's it's from moving from point A to point B. And a lot of people that lack confidence, instead of going from point A to point B, they go from A to 8.1 to 8.2 to 8.3. In terms of looking at the different people in the audience? In in terms of everything, right? So let's say as soon as you walk into a room, there's an opportunity. Maybe you have this weird hesitation where you're not sure if you should shake their hands or not. That's an A.1. So you look at them and you're like, I should shake hands. I don't know. Is this the right time? And you kind of slightly hesitate. Instead of just getting up and walking right over to those person and shaking their hands. Or even with statements and even with answering questions. Sometimes people are asked questions and you can be asked a question that you don't understand. You could just look at the floor, think about it, and then powerfully say, you know what? I'm 100% sure. And it works. It really works as a way of communicating that. So thinking from moving from point A to point B really demonstrates the assertion. Right? That's where a lot of the assertive qualities. Like if you were to graph people's movements that are assertive, you'll see that they, they're more likely to move from point A to point B. I like to use the example of... Um, like a simple task like what, what if you were asked a waiter or a waitress you know what salad should i get today and they said to you definitely get the cop salad it's one of the best it kind of holds more weight versus they're like ah you know well everything is kind of good here uh, this is okay this is okay as soon as they start talking you're like all right stop i'll i'll pick my own thing right it's that level of quality that this person knows what's right so just Practicing that yeah, assertiveness. Yeah, practicing that level of assertion. So like yeah. one of the things you want to do is maybe you can, um, some of my clients, I have them negotiate prices of things. So when they walk in, so right now, when you walk into a store and a bottle of water is $1.50, you got to take that bottle of water down to a dollar. So you say to the store clerk, like, are you serious? Like, I'm here almost every single day. Like, I can cross the street, but I like you. Like, let's let's just give it to me for a dollar. Like, come on. I know these things are like 10 cents. All right, fine. Like, that's practicing that level of assertion that can be incredibly useful. Okay, that's really good. Yeah. You know, something that happened to me recently, when I arrived in, in L.A. from Australia, the customs are real, and immigration are really, really tough yeah. there. And I knew that they would be questioning me about, like, what's the purpose of your stay? How long are you going to be here? And I made sure that I was really assertive when they said, where are you staying? How long are you going to be here for? Because Australians tend to go, um, I'm staying in Manhattan. Yeah. Like people, we tend to do that upward yeah. inflection. It sounds like uh-huh. we're questioning everything and uh-huh. that we're unsure of what we're saying. So I was like, I'm staying in Manhattan. I'm staying for 88 days and then I'm flying to London. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, yep, sure, stamp, easy. Huh? I didn't have any problems at all. And I've met people who were doing the exact same thing as me, but for some reason were held up and and had real problems getting through. And that's exactly what they're trained to do, right? They're trained to look for people that something's up. Like my second time traveling back from Europe, which I, I travel with a ton of Aussies, and we're so I get back from Europe, and I'm, I was so glad to be home. It was over, you know, I was gone for two months. I was happy to be home, and I'm sitting in front of the person, and I'm smiling. 
like giddy, like a child when I'm in JFK. And the people are looking at me like kind of weird, like, oh, no, I'm just happy to be home, man. But all my stuff gets searched. They went through everything. My big rug, my big backpack, got everything got searched. Because they're like, this is weird. Why is somebody this happy inside? And I didn't give them that context. I didn't say anything like, oh, you know. And you, didn't explain why. I didn't explain you didn't explain why. why. Well. I was just kind of like, yeah, no, I'm happy to be home. And it just looked weird, you know. And that's why they ultimately searched me you know it makes sense and it's the same thing as you know with a client they're not going to search you they're not going to ask you hey listen i have a question you look like you're fidgeting a little bit you look a little anxious do you really feel like you can do this job they're never going to say that they're just going to say there's something's up something's up so those those skill sets need to be practiced and something that people don't do you know imagine if you were to spend equal amount of time practicing the tools of like adobe suite or something of that versus social suite, right? And like all those social dynamics, it's, it's very important and it's something that's forgotten about. Mm. How can you tell if you've lost someone through their body language? For the most part, number one's always going to be eye contact, always. So we look towards things that we're interested in. Um, and usually you see one break. So first you see like a check of a phone or a, a glance. As soon as you've seen that once you've lost them. It, I think of it this way. In terms of eye contact, if you're about to tell somebody like the secrets to life, like if I was about to say like, listen, what I'm about to say is going to make you a wizard, right? And it's going to be magical powers. You're going to pay attention to the person. It's the same exact thing with the conversation. If they provide, if they find you to be valuable, if they think what you're saying is valuable, they're going to look at you, Right. If they check their phone and they say, oh, I'm sorry, this is, no, that means that you're not, it's not valuable. So it's usually the first thing that kind of goes is that break in eye contact. Uh, and then there's all the other variables, you know, like playing with phone, fidgeting, things of that nature. The problem, I'll tell you a little secret that I've noticed. The problem with designers, especially if you're dealing with like branding agencies and media companies and things like that, a lot of the people that you're pitching to are socialized to know to be respectful. So they know how to do the whole fake. They'll look at you, they'll shake their head, and sometimes you need to find subtler patterns. Like so one of the things I look for is like head nodding. Like some people from the very get-go, they'll nod their head. They'll nod your head throughout the entire thing. <laughs> and you'll think that, oh my God, you know, I killed it. You didn't kill yeah. it. You just the people are very social, the people are very nice, and that's what created that dynamic, you know? Ideally, anybody listening, you know, ideally you get past the level where you're so comfortable with what you're saying, now you can focus on your audience. Usually people don't, in presentations, they don't get past the comfortable with what I'm saying. So they're so concerned with delivering their presentation that they're forgetting that a presentation is like almost like a conversation, it's a dynamic interaction. And they forget about their audience and they just start to focus on, you know, okay, make sure I go over slide two, make sure I go over slide three. And you really don't want to be in that state because then it's not coming off as natural. Yeah, because yeah. I guess really you're trying to get your message across to the audience. Yeah. And if the audience isn't there with you, then it doesn't matter what you say or do. Mm-hmm. If they're not with you, then that message isn't going to get across. Yeah. So it's like, should I even be here right now? Like, just yeah. walk out, you know? And sometimes you can walk in and who knows, every once in a while I've seen, you know, you freelanced once for somebody that was working there and you guys don't like each other. And as soon as you walk in there, you're like... I'm done. <laughs> like, this isn't going to work out. You know what I mean? Because of some past experience or past filter or something like that. You just don't know. So what can people do if they notice that people are doing those things, fidgeting, looking at phones, not paying attention? What can they, what, what's something that they can quickly implement pivot. to help them? Instantly pivot. If you're, if, you're, if you're through, you know, the third thing of your slide and it's not working, 
got to pivot. It's just not working. Got to do something else. And sometimes being straight is the most useful thing. Like, listen, guys, you don't seem that interested in this pitch. I'm trying to make this more. Let me know. I'm, I'm sure all day you've experienced tons of pitches. Let me know what you want. And let me tell you if we're a good fit right now. Like, like that stands out so differently from everybody else. Nobody does that. Everybody just sort of like, oh my God, I'm losing them. Okay, let me keep. Nobody will pivot that way because it takes a, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to, to just throw out what you're doing and kind of, but that will work because that will make you stand out in terms of how, like if people, like most design pitches, beyond, they go the same way. Like they do. They have a certain, they, of course the visuals are going to be good. Of course, there's certain things that kind of happen. And if they're not good, then, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Like you're operating at a different level. If uh, I'm assuming that, you're a talented designer who has their shit together when it comes in terms of visuals and things of that nature. And the way they introduce, talk about experience, talk about this, 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 this. When all of a sudden you experience 10 things that are relatively consistent, the one thing that stands out is completely different. So if all of a sudden, if you're the first person that doesn't have visuals, it's different. Like imagine like, that's what I would do. If I knew I was pitching and 10 people had visuals and I was number five, I wouldn't use any visuals. I would say visuals, no, we don't, I'll be honest with you, we don't, I don't waste my time with this back and forth. I'm first trying to really understand what you're going through and then I'll submit them via email and then we'll talk. Like, or do something completely different because then you stand out and you're more likely to be remembered. And even just when you're talking about pivoting, that's just being really authentic. That's the most authentic thing. People don't actually, people don't expect that. And you're right, it really doesn't happen. And it it takes them, it's like, wow, that, that person's different. And it's because of that, that, most people yeah. don't pivot they just stick with their line <laughs> okay like i want to take just a little bit of a pivot mm-hmm. now actually in the conversation now with everyone who i interview on the podcast i like to ask them about their two things have you heard of the two things no okay so it's based on the idea that any topic or subject can be summed up in just two things uh-huh. so distilled down to those two things and anything else is either an application of those things uh-huh. or it's just not important okay so there's actually a website dedicated to this two and, I've, and I've found I'll just give you an example uh, the two things about pornography okay number one cable guy oral oral doggy ass facial next scene repeat number two no matter how weird, someone will have a website dedicated to your fetish online. Okay. So those so two things about body language. That's hard. Um... No, 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 no. Two things. What are the t- your two things about approaching strangers? Uh, so approaching strangers. Mm. Okay. Um, number one, no one really cares about you. Basically, people overestimate how much their social interactions matter. So like you walk up to somebody in the street and you're like, hey, how are you? And you think that, oh my God, they're going to remember you. They're not. They're, if you're a celebrity, then they will, but they're not going to remember you, right? For the most part. So there's like a freedom in that sense, right? Yeah. And um, the second thing is the most bra- the, the the bravest people are the ones that get rejected. So the people, a lot of people like will sit there and critique other people like oh this person just walked up to that person and got rejected but they're not doing the same thing like mm. the people in action are the bravest souls right so the, the yeah i definitely think those are the two important things and th- if you understand those those principles like one people don't really care and two there's nothing wrong with rejection it's a brave thing that in itself should make you so if you really embody those i'm not just talking about like stage yourself if you really believe that that should make you so natural that you're able to function in pretty much every social interaction. Wow. And then maybe for like, for, you know, I have to just say a little caveat to that. For like 0.01 <laughs> or 0.1% of the population, less than that, like 0.01, you'll have some sort of behavioral pattern 
that it's like a quirk that makes them different or weird or so on and so forth. But for the average person, if you really embody those two principles, you'll be fine. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, that I, I blogged about this the other day, actually. I was at the St. Patrick's Day parade. And I, was, I didn't know anyone. I was just standing there in the crowd. And I thought, I just want to start talking to someone because I was bored. Mm-hmm. So I just said, I sort of turned to the guy next to me. And I was like, man, it's really cold. You know, I hope it's, you know, this thing had better start soon. And he just ignored me. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't even turn around. And I was like, oh my God, how embarrassing. Everyone's going to think I'm a freak. But no, no one did. And I actually had two ladies in front of me actually turned around and were like, oh yeah, yeah, it is really cold. So it was fine. But for that split second, I was freaking out. And then I realized, you know what? No, no one knows who I am. I can just move to a different area of the crowd. No one's going to remember who I am. So no one knows. There's and, and the only the only way they'll remember you is if there's some sort of weird connection, right? And then that's usually a good thing. Yeah. Like for the for the most part, nobody really cares. Yeah. Like, no, that's yeah. awesome. That's a that's a great a really great attitude to also apply to to your presentation as well. No one yeah. actually, and that, I think that's a great way to uh, help people to not be as self conscious when they're presenting. Yeah. Well, that just about brings us to the end of the mm-hmm. interview, Blake. Thank you so much for sharing no problem. all your, your stories and your knowledge. It's been, it's been really awesome. And I hope, well, I'm sure all of our listeners will definitely take something away from this episode. So thank you. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> and now if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about what you do and more about the nonverbal group, where can they find just you? Just check out nonverbalgroup.com. Yep. Awesome. All right. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well for everyone listening. All right. Okay. Thanks, Blake. Great. I hope you enjoyed that interview with nonverbal group founder Blake Eastman. Everything he said I just found so fascinating, especially when he was talking about moving from A to B and not hesitating and just knowing exactly what you're doing and, and where you're going to move to next. I thought that was just really interesting. Now, your challenge of the week, try and bargain for stuff. Bargain things down. It doesn't matter if it's a ripoff or not. Just just practicing asserting yourself like that will really help to build your confidence. I did it just the other week. I wanted to buy a hair straightener, actually, and the woman was trying to sell it to me for, I think it was 180, and I said, no, I'm going to give you, I'll give you 100. Anyway, she ended up saying, okay, how about 120? And I said, 120, and I want a shampoo, conditioner, and hairspray thrown in as well. And she goes, okay. And she just did it for me. And I just, it was just, just from, and I got it just from asking. So give it a go this week. It doesn't have to be expensive, like Blake was saying. It could just be a bottle of water saying, I want it for a dollar instead of a dollar fifty. Just try it and see what happens. Whew. So you've got lots of things to think about this week. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have any thoughts about this episode or any questions, please feel free to comment in the show notes at designdrawspeak.com slash 022. And of course, you can find all of Blake's contact details and more information about what he does there as well. So please check that out. Anyway, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Enjoy the rest of your week and I will see you next week for another episode. This has been Presentation Skills for Design Students, helping you become a confident, creative communicator.